Hi there, and welcome to the Daddy Juggle podcast. Erdem Kosh is my name, and, well, you guessed it, I'm a new father. My daughter Adele came into our lives 10 months ago, when it's been a whirlwind of emotions ever since. The word juggle forms the title of this podcast because, well, that's exactly what it's felt like. As all parents know, your days are spent being pulled into different directions. So, how do you keep up? How do you balance the pursuits we all have to sustain life, in addition to arguably one of the most important and hardest jobs we'll ever have in being a parent? And jeez, what about these things called emotions, which in parenthood seem to go from one extreme to the other in the blink of an eye? These are questions I'm keen to explore, and well, what better way to do it than through this medium? And it's with great pleasure that I start off by speaking with Matthew Wells. Matt is a father of four. He has one girl, one boy, and a set of male twins. It's crazy, and it's chaotic, but I just I tell people all the time, like, you know, it's chaos, but it's beautiful chaos. Matt's a sales guy who lives in Jacksonville, Florida in the US, and you might have come across his videos on LinkedIn. Getting out and bouncing on the trampolines with the kids instead of just hanging out on the sidelines. Whoa! It's basic dad stuff. Matt's the creator of Basic Dad Stuff, and our conversation starts with just how that evolved. The way it started was a guy named Patrick McNamara, who is a bit of a uh, Instagram superstar. He's a, he's um he's got this thing called Basic Dude Stuff, and uh, I came across it just randomly in my feed on LinkedIn. And I was already doing a lot of video content on LinkedIn as it was, just different stuff. A lot of it was warrior theme stuff. A lot of it was just comedy type stuff. But I saw his basic dude stuff. And that just was, when I watched it, like, that's 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 me. That's like totally me. I mean, I'm not I'm not an ex-soldier, but the, his, his mannerisms, the way he talks, the way he does stuff, his inflection, that just sounds just like me. And so I reached out to the guy. I was like, hey, man, I love your video, this basic dude stuff thing you did. Um, at the time, I didn't realize he was a bit of a celebrity on Instagram and in the in the world of like uh, Jocko Willink and guys like those who he partners up with on stuff. But I said, hey, I got a really good idea for just doing a spoof on it. And I totally give you full credit, but instead of basic dude stuff, it'd be basic dad stuff. And I was like, but I don't want to do that without giving your, your thumbs up of approval. And he literally responded with the thumbs up emoji. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to give it a shot. So I just recorded a bunch of, you know, me just doing in selfie mode uh, stuff around the house with the kids and outside things we all do as dads and posted it to LinkedIn. And it did fantastic. I mean, it really uh, it did better than most of the other stuff I've ever done on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, wow, this people really like this. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try doing it again. And I just kept doing it and kept doing it. And before long, over time, it just kind of became my own thing. You know, I mean, uh, for a long time, I really felt not guilty, but apprehensive about should I continue doing this? Because I know it gave me a thumbs up, but I don't want the guy to feel like I'm ripping him off. But more and more as it went on, I just realized it's not, it's, I'm not ripping him off. This is my own thing. It's all about being a dad. It's all about, you know, with you, being with your kids, being present, being intentional, having fun with your kids. So, um, I mean, while I, while I have the same inflection as he has and, you know, the same way I say the thing, that's also the way I talk. That's why I love it in the first place. I'm like, man, this sounded like me talking. So, um, but yeah, man, so I started doing it and it's just been a constant for like 65, 66 weeks of uh, like two to three minute basic dad stuff videos every week, which is it's probably like three hours straight of basic dad stuff footage I've compiled over the last year and a half, you know, not year and a half, but you know, over a year. And really it's just become essentially what it has become is like an online video journal with my kids, just of all the things that we do. So people that actually do follow along and watch this stuff on LinkedIn, they're literally watching my kids grow up and seeing them grow up before their eyes. So it's become very neat. I got a lot of people who 
like they have like the Gracie fan club. Gracie's my nine year old daughter. People are like, oh, we love Gracie. Gracie's great. Gracie's better than you. She's more entertaining than you are, Matt. So uh, all kinds of stuff. But that's how it evolved um, as far as that video is concerned. And and as that got better and better and had more of a following, I just found myself leaning into it and uh, leaning more into just doing content about being a dad. Cause that's my passion. I mean, I'm a sales guy. That's what I do for a living. Is I'm in sales. And I'm all about, you know, a lot of guy, you know, very machismo, stereotypical stuff. But what I love most of all is being a father. You know, I've got four kids and I'm blessed to be a dad to all of them. And, you know, the Bible talks about that uh, children are arrows in our quiver and blesses the man whose quiver is full of them. So I got four, man. My quiver is full and uh, <laughs> I just got myself richly blessed and I'm loving every day of it, man. So tell us uh, about your kids and your journey to, to fatherhood of, of four of them. So four, which includes a nine-year-old going on 29 in her eyes. Um, she's my only daughter. Then we have a four-year-old son named Gabriel. And I have, tw- I call them my giant slayers, my twin giant slayers, uh, Caleb and Christian. I call them giant slayers because they were born very premature. They were actually born at 31 weeks, um, spent a little over a month in the NICU. And it was just a matter of, of overcoming giants from the very beginning, man, you know, just beating the odds, beating the statistics and doing really well and and growing and getting stronger every day. And it was a miracle to watch it all happen. So ever since then, I've called them my giant slayers. You know, we didn't plan on having four kids. It was never the plan to have four. Coincidentally, I am the oldest of four kids. Um, <laughs> little did I know way back in the day that that was going to actually be uh, fortuitous of what was going to be in my life. But we started off, like I said, with a daughter. She was an only child for for almost five years, and we, you know, when we started trying for a second one, and had Gabriel, our second son, our second child, a son, and then we were done. They're like, all right, we got one of both, best of both worlds. We're we're finished, you know, girl and boy. We can't ask for better than that, right? So a few years go by, and my wife goes, you know, Gracie's already seven. I would really love to have one more little girl because she's growing up so fast. And I was like, are you sure? And are you sure you want to do this? I mean, we, we, we're, we're in a good place right now. She's like, no, I really do. It's like, all right. So we pulled the goalie and um, and tried for one more little girl. And we got two little boys. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't get what she asked for. She got better. She got a double dose of the opposite. What so, was her uh, reaction when, when you found out you were having twins? Uh, man, it was um, it was shocking. It was definitely shocking. So I don't know how you react. It was just more just like jaw on the floor pick it up and is this, is this real i mean is this for real we're literally we're doubling down we're going from two to four that was not the plan that's not <laughs> how we figured that's not how we wrote this out the script didn't say four kids but lo and behold that's how it worked out and every day is a journey every single day is an adventure it's crazy and it's chaotic but i just i tell people all the time like it, you know it's chaos but it's a beautiful chaos you know i mean every day is different while every day is also the same, but every day is different. And uh, they bring a tornado into the house every day, and it's just constant running around, picking up and cleaning up. But we're just trying to train them and mold them and, and you know, make them better at being self-sufficient. So it's not constantly for that many more years walking around behind them, picking things up. Do you remember going from zero kids to one kid? Which is... I do. The reason why I'm asking is because... So we have a 10-month-old little girl who's wonderful and, and crazy. And every time I say life is hectic and, and different, I meet someone who's, you know, got it time, four times as, as, as good or as bad, depending on how you look at it on the day, right? But <laughs> come back to where I am now, when you went from zero to one, what's that 
journey and, and the shift in your lifestyle and I guess mindset? I remember very distinctly having one kid and thinking to myself after we had her, man, what did we do with all of the free time that we had? Because yes. I don't remember I don't remember having a bunch of free time, but when you suddenly don't have any free time because every minute is dedicated to something, you realize, good Lord, there was a lot of free time on our plates before we had these kids or this kid. So, so yeah, one kid, I mean, people always, when they say that, we, when they see that we have four kids, people always try to downplay, oh, well, we only have one or we only have two. I'm like, yo, you can't downplay that. One kid was hard. When we had, when we went from zero to one, it was challenging. It was hard. It was learning a new, a new way of life. It was trying to keep this little creature alive. And you have no playbook, no practice. I mean, I mean they, they can say there's a million parenting books out there, you know, but a book is a book and there's every, everybody's coming out from a hundred different angles and different strategies and stuff. So like, what do you believe? What do you actually go for? That's just complete and total, what they call it. It's analysis paralysis, you know, when it comes to parenting books. Um, so I remember very well going from zero to one and just holding her like you have a little girl, I had a little girl first and just com- being completely and totally head over heels, smitten in love with this little child, but also being at the same time, simultaneously being just completely blown away at just how much struggle there was in having this one little child. Struggle is the wrong word, but just it's just hard. Between the sleep deprivation to, you know, having to go back and forth with your wife on who can do what, what can you do, to being a working parent at the same time. And you do eventually get used to it. And now having four, my wife and I, let's say all the time, we look back at having one. We're like, God, that was so easy. Can you imagine how easy it would be to have just one or just two kids? And I think to myself, yeah, I mean, from where we're looking right now, it seems like it would be super easy, but we did have one and two kids and it wasn't easy when we were there. It may be by comparison, a lot easier with just not less, less running around, less being pulled in different directions. Um, but it wasn't easy. It was never easy. One kid isn't easy. Two kids isn't easy. I've heard people say, Hey, once you get to three or anything beyond three, it's kind of all the same at that point. I've heard that said, I don't buy it. (laughs) The more kids you have, the crazier it gets. So, uh, yeah. It's super interesting that you say people play it down. I find myself doing that all the time. When, Mm -hmm. if I give an example of, you know, my wife and I sleep deprived because Adele, our daughter is going through another, you know, sleep regression or she's teething again. And I'm talking to someone who's got three boys under the age of five, or I'm talking to someone who's got four kids like yourself. And I just, it almost feels like my experiences are redundant. And I know in my head they're not, but when you speak to other people, it's almost like, oh, you have more kids than me. Then I'm, suddenly it doesn't matter. And the reaction that you often get is, oh, wait till you have the second one. Wait till you have the third one, which, you know, I've written about this as well because it's driven me. It used to drive me crazy when Adele was a baby when I'd say, oh, we're so tired. You know, we're so sleep deprived. And people would be like, oh, just wait till the teeth come. Just wait till she starts crawling. Just wait till she. It's almost like what you're feeling now is nothing, dude, compared to what you're about to feel. So rather than acknowledging the moment, they sort of, you know, jump ahead and be like, there's worse things to come. Did you ever find that in, in, in with oh, all sure. your kids? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's crazy because they, they, they are literal baby steps, you know, baby steps of, of this. So it starts off when you go from when you have your first kid, you go from having no kids to having this one child that is your responsibility. And it's crazy. It's stressful. It's exhausting. And it's so hard right out the gates. 
then eventually I feel like it does get a little bit easier, but then after it gets easier, it gets harder again. You know, it's like, okay, now we're in a new phase. Now they're doing this. You know, they talk about what is the tether, the terrible twos, the trying threes. We didn't have, I mean, at Gracie, we were always like, wow, we just really got lucky. She did. We, we never had a terrible twos. We never had a trying threes. We had the FU fours. That's what we had. That's what we called it. Um, because it's like when she turned four, it was literally like overnight. She walked out of her bedroom. Like she flicked a switch. It's like, all right, world, here I come. And she went from being the sweetest, most gentle, kind, adorable little girl, which she still was, don't get me wrong, but suddenly she had sass. She had attitude and she wanted to, you know, push back on everything. We're like, what is happening? So I remember it got real hard then because that first year was difficult. Year two and three for us were surprisingly really easy and just like, this is great. We could do this all day, every day. And then four, man, four was a whole different, you know, different ball game. This is a roller coaster, man. You know, every time you get into one phase, you finally get, you finally get comfortable with a phase that they're in and then they switch it up on you again. And it's like, oh, now we got to relearn again. You know, I mean, it's the same beautiful kid, same sweet soul. But they're in a whole new phase of life now, and it's something I've never done before. You know, we're all dads, we're all parents for the first time. So uh, we're learning as we go. In one of your posts, you quote uh, Eric Davis, who's a Navy SEAL. He's written the book Raising Men. And you talk about how vital it is for us to get off our collective asses and get our adventure on. That, you know, in this desk computer bound world, we just need to stop and have fun with our kids. I want to talk about 2020 because I think it's a unique year. But before the, the, the pandemic, the the biggest thing I heard from mates who were dads, who were fathers, would always say, I, I just don't have time. I'm too busy. I'm working. How do you find the time? What's your response to, to people who say, I'm just too busy? Because I'm sure you're just as busy as the next guy. You know, to me, I don't want to belittle or put down anyone's job. Everybody has a different job, different career. That's some, some are more demanding than others. But at the end of the day, what we spend our time on is a choice. You know, we prioritize how our time is spent. You know, time is a budget. And, you know, just like with a financial budget, you got to allocate where you're putting your funds. Your time is no different, man. You have to allocate, okay, how much time am I going to spend on this? And when I'm done with this, am I really done with this? Or am I still going to be thinking about it, checking my phone because of it, checking my email because of it? Or am I really done for the day, clocking out? Now it's time to have family time. Um, that's, that to me is a conscious decision that people have to make. I had an excellent example. I mean, I grew up with a dad who was present. I'm very fortunate, very blessed. You know, I I had two, uh, two amazing parents that were, they were there. My dad worked long hours, you know, but when he came home, he was home with us. My mom raised four kids as a, as a, not a single mom, but as a stay at home mom who wasn't working. So she had all four kids. I don't know how she did it by herself, to be honest with you, because we got four kids and my wife and I are both working. And just one day of watching all of them by herself was like, oh, my gosh. And I think, how did my mom do this every day of her life growing up? But um, but my dad was always when he came home, he was home. He was done. He wasn't parked in front of a TV or working or whatever else. He spent time with us. So I had a great example. And, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate for that. So to me. I understand that people have priorities. I understand that people have responsibilities to their work, but I think that everybody has their own set of boundaries and you have to make your own boundaries. And that has to include, listen, there's time for work. There's time for your hobbies. There's time for your passions. Um, but there have to be time for your kids as well. I mean, you only get one chance to be a dad and if you screw it up, you don't get another do over. It's just like you get one life to live, man. So you may as well make it as epic as you can. Um, it's a choice every day. So 
I think too many people need to just stop making excuses and start saying yes to their kids. Do you think then the great pause of 2020 and being locked up and in our houses and and with our families has changed modern fatherhood or the perception of it? I think it's funny because it, it, it removed that excuse from people who were using that excuse for such a long time as parents like, hey, they kept saying they don't have time. They don't have time. They don't have time. Well, suddenly, dang, you just got hit with all the time in the world. Yeah, we're still working from home. We're still working remotely. You still do things, but you've got time. You can't use that excuse anymore. What excuse do you have now? If you weren't getting out playing with your kids or making time for your kids or getting on the ground, rolling around, doing crafts, reading, whatever, if you weren't doing it in 2020, that just goes to show, hey, there was always enough time. You just weren't about doing it. You know, it was not a priority for you. And that should be a reality check for a lot of people. So, yes, I think that uh, collectively as a world, it was a bit of a reality check that, hey, you know, these, we, we can't push these things off. We can't push our kids off. We can't push our roles as parents off. Um, we have a chance now to do it more. And if we can't do it now, when are we going to do it? Take me to a low point, if you will, in your fatherhood. And you don't need to provide the, the specifics and the details. I'm more interested in how you get out of those low moments as a dad. So I talk about this a lot with people when I talk one-on-one and I've posted about it a few times. I don't want to put off this persona that people think, oh, he's perfect dad, perfect father, perfect that, you know, because I'm not. I'm capturing a minute and a half or two minutes of video a week and throwing it on LinkedIn and I'm putting up inspiring posts to help encourage other dads to do better and be better. But guess what? The content I put out there that's meant to inspire others, it's meant for myself as well. I mean, I'm brightening that stuff to the man in the mirror because I struggle like anybody else struggles. I have a temper and I lose my patience. And I remember when I had just one kid, I had more patience and a better temper. And then with another kid, suddenly that that patience is being divided among two kids. And then three and four, that patience is being divided among four kids and a dog. So it's it's like there's only so much patience that we have to give. Now, that's something that we can all work on. We can all uh, do better at being patient. There's, there's, you know, there's different exercises you can do to increase your patience and things you can do to make sure that you're consciously aware of that. But I have a hard time with that. When my kids are back talking or won't listen or whatever, I struggle with that, man. And I lose my temper far more often than I should. And there's plenty of nights when the day is over and the kids are all in bed, like right now, and I have that time to myself in the evening. And I just have those those self-reflective moments where I go, man, I freaking blew it today. I blew it tonight. You know, I, I lost my temper. I yelled at Gabriel because he wouldn't brush his teeth. And I was in a bad mood with Gracie, you know, after that because of him. And I wasn't kind and loving to her as I should have been at bedtime. And that's something that I think most of us as parents struggle with. Anybody that tells you they've never yelled at their kids, in my opinion, is lying. I know there's people out there that are much more patient than others, but everybody's yelled at their kids. But there's plenty of times that I walk away at the end of the day feeling like I failed. But I, you know, but the thing is, I get up every morning and say, I'm going to do better today. So that's me is just making sure that I wake up in the mornings and I start all over again, recommitting that, hey, today's going to be better than yesterday. Not that every day is bad. Most days are great or good. Um, but when you have those down, poor, you know, those down times, those down moments, you beat yourself up about it, but we all mess up. You just got to make sure that you forgive yourself for it and try to do better the next day. 
You know, it's such a cliche, but the word roller coaster just applies, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, uh, it does. you know, last night we, Adele was refusing to go to sleep and, um, you know, my wife and I took turns and it was just hell, right? We've both lost our patience. It took two hours to put her down at night, which then meant we didn't get, you know, our precious time in the evening together, which meant we sort of went yeah. straight to bed. We both got into bed for about half an hour. We just looked at old photos of Adele and videos and just went... Oh, she's so cute. Remember how she was... I oh, remember how she did... Remember... And it's just like, <laughs> di- didn't we both just hate her about, you know, 20 minutes yeah. ago? Like, it's really yeah. up and down. And, and I think, to me, that's been the most challenging is is figuring out how to find sort of, you know, an equilibrium in being, you know, living the extremes of each emotion. Yeah. And she's only 10 too. So that feeling you're having right now where you're looking back at quote unquote old pictures, yeah, exactly. where, you know, <laughs> six, six months ago... That's only going to be more so. I mean, we were, I told you we were laying in bed tonight. To, I was telling my, laying in bed and I told my daughter and my wife that I was going to be talking to a guy from Australia. But before I told them that, we were laying in bed looking at Google Photos on my phone because in Google Photos, I can scroll all the way back to 2001 because I, I, I've always been very, um, very organized with my pictures on my computer. So everything's organized really well. So I can go back to 2001. And we were looking at videos of Gracie from 2012 and 13 and 14 because, you know, the whole Facebook on this day thing that the memory from this day. So that inspired me to look back at this day from the last few years, from those years. And I saw a video of her when she was three dancing with my wife to, uh, to Taylor Swift, Shake It Off. And the year before that, there's a video where she's in the bathtub lining all of her toys up on the edge of the bathtub. And I'm looking at these and I'm going, man. You were just so stinking sweet and adorable and cute and beautiful and funny and everything else. And she goes, what do you mean I was? I was like, well, you still are. You still are. But look at you here. So, yeah, man, you, those, those videos, they really sweep you back and they make you fall in love all over again. Not that you're falling out of love, but it's just like, wow, it just renews it. You know, looking at those old videos and photos is amazing. Speaking of love, amongst the beautiful chaos of your day, how do you protect for a lack of a better word, the relationship with, with your wife and the, and the connection there and ensure that, uh, you know, you don't drop your guard with that one. Yep. So that is something that we've been working at more diligently, I'd say, in the last year than we had in the past. I think with any kids, but especially with multiple kids, that it gets real easy to push the relationship to the back burner because you're just so constantly, especially if you have two working parents, we both work. If you're both just nonstop, go, go, go all the time, you get you get home from work, then you got to make dinner, then you got four kids you got to divide up and get bath times and dinners fed and, and clothes on and bedtime routines, all that stuff. And by the time the day's over, one of you, if not both of you, is just completely and totally spent. And if you have any time together, it's just laying on the couch watching a TV show, which which is great, but that's not quality time. So we've been making a habit um, more, more so in the last year, like I said, of making sure that we absolutely commit to having date nights. There's a podcast called The Dad Edge by a guy named Larry Hagner, and he does a thing about 21 day challenge of, uh, of you know, having a, a closer, stronger marriage. And part of that mar- part of that challenge is actually committing to sitting down with your wife and literally getting on the calendar and scheduling out the next, I don't know if it's three weeks or the next four weeks of date nights, and saying, listen, no matter what, we're making this happen. But committing to a date night and committing to actually really having that, even if it doesn't mean going out to a restaurant or something, even that just means, hey, having having a quiet evening where you say, you know what, the kids are in bed, we're going to go behind the closed door in our bedroom and we're going to do this, we're going to talk, the TV's not going to be turned on, we're going to have some time together. Um, you got to protect that time. And if you fall back on doing that, then 
you're going to be fine. I mean, you can still do it the following week, but the more you get make a habit out of doing that, the closer you're going to grow. I mean, who doesn't want to have a closer relationship with their spouse or their significant other or whoever it is? It's just something that we all need and want that's going to be better for the kids. So I think just protecting that time and, and committing to having it is, is absolutely vital. What's your least favorite part of being a father? Oh, wow. The least favorite part. Oh, goodness. I could go a lot of different directions with this question because um, it ain't all sun. As Rocky said, it's not all the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> um, but uh, probably my least favorite thing. Here you go. Easy answer. My least favorite thing is is uh, smartphones and kids or whatever the challenge is with uh, with your kid. You know, some 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 people it's it's video game systems. My kids have never had a video game system. They don't really care. But my daughter has a smartphone, and I really struggle with that. Um, just, you know, on, on several different levels, I, I struggle with, should she, should we even allow her to have a smartphone? Okay. We do allow her to have a smartphone. Okay. Well, what should we allow her to do on the smartphone? How much screen time should it be allowed? Uh, when she has a bad attitude for whatever reason, what should the punishment be? So I think that really comes down to, and really, you know, parenting experts would give you all kinds of different advice on this, but it's hard to make very concrete rules around these things and stick to them especially if there's just so much going on and multiple kids, it'd be better. And that's something that my wife, that we need to work on is having more concrete rules. But I don't like the whole smartphone, the digital age. As much as I love the digital age we live in, it's hard to raise kids in this digital age. I know that every generation passed behind us said the same thing about whatever they were going through. Oh, it's so hard to have kids with a Nintendo entertainment system. It's so hard to have kids with, with an Atari or whatever the struggle was at the time. But smartphones are hard, man. And I know all too real already how much you can deal with kids being exposed to things they should not be exposed to because they have a smartphone in their hands or having the whole cyberbullying or being picked on on the phone. I mean, my daughter's nine and she's a great kid, but she's already struggled with some of those things. And uh, that's hard. It's hard to deal with. You know, we all always said no screen time to a certain age. Here are our golden rules with our kid. And you know, we're driving back from down the coast a couple of weeks ago and the traffic is hideous and it's now two-hour drive has turned into a five-hour drive. Adele is screaming and won't sleep. And I said to my wife, you know what, just turn just something, take just phone. take, take the, the phone. phone. And there's so much of you, you know, driving in the front that just has this guilt, right? Because everything mm-hmm. you read is no devices, no screen time. And in that yeah. moment of absolute suffocation it's you know it's the only thing that will work and keep you sane until you get home but yeah. the guilt is there right like it hangs over oh, for you sure. it's a real guilt you know i mean my, my wife calls it mom guilt i just call it guilt uh that's definitely real man and because you want to be true and hold to your guns and a lot of parents will a lot of dads will hold to their guns on that and more power to them they're they're stronger than i am in those moments sometimes but it's like, no, no TV, no, no devices, no screen time, whatever. But if you're cooking dinner or you're driving down a highway and it's a five hour drive or whatever, and you just need a few moments of peace, it's hard to not just park your kid in front of a screen for 20 minutes of quiet. <laughs> As a matter of fact, this is kind of not contrary to what we're saying, but the twins who are a year and nine months old now, by this age, both my older two kids could sit and watch a cartoon movie with me, or sit and watch Finding Nemo and be enthralled with it. I'm guessing it's because there's two of them and they bounce off of each other's energy. 
but neither one of them will sit still and watch anything on a TV for more than 10 seconds. They might look at the colors and go, oh, cool. And then they run off again, you know, and I can't tell you how often my wife and I like, gosh, I wish we could just sit them down for <laughs> 20 minutes. Can they just sit still for 20 minutes so we can finish setting the table or finish doing this or that? And they don't. They do not sit still. And I'm guessing it's because there's two of them and they got the whole teamwork thing going on. We put them to bed at night, man. At like They have a bedtime at 7 p.m. And we hear them and they're talking and chatting and laughing or whatever else. By talking, I mean baby sounds. They don't really use words yet. Um, but uh, just all kinds of babbling and, and laughing and being silly. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced 100% that they may be babies with their babbly, googly boop. But I'm sure they're in there every night just plotting, just scheming. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what can we do tomorrow to divide and conquer? We, we, you know, we got to figure out something new we can do tomorrow. It's crazy, man. I mean, one kid goes to the pantry and starts getting spices down. And we're like, no, while well, that one's doing that, the other kid goes and climbs up on top of the table and is like on top of the table where he can fall and hurt himself. We go grab him. While we're going to grab him, the other kid's going to one of the Tupperware cabin, ripping everything out. We'll do that. I mean, it's like they literally, you go this way, I'll go that way. You go that way, I'll go this way. It's like, man, can they just sit still for 20 seconds or 20 minutes or whatever? So uh, it's it's hilarious to tell the story. But in the moment, you're just going, oh, my gosh, please just stop. Stop pillaging the village for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because a, a really close friend of mine recently had a baby girl as well. I think she's three or four weeks old now. And uh, at the just before the birth, he said to me, so what's your advice? Having just gone through it all, what what can you tell me? And I said, man, seriously, just do what works. Don't yeah. take it on yourself to listen, to read. Of course, do it. Like, read any parenting books that you want. Read the sure. blogs, listen to the podcast, do all of those things. But just do what works because what works for your kid will not work for mine and vice versa. And in your case, what worked for your nine-year-old is not working for the twins and vice versa. Exactly. It's crazy how, how different every single one of them are. And every parent will tell you that, oh, they're all different. And they all are different. You know, I mean, the twins are different. They're, they're side by side, grow up together, and they're still so very different. But yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, read all the parenting books you can, absorb it. Like, you know, I, I do read a lot of parenting books and listen to the podcast and stuff to just, just, just to take in as much information as I can. It's not all going to be good information. And you, hopefully, you have the discernment to be able to recognize what you can excuse and, and just say, nope, not paying attention to that. And then here other stuff you're going, that's really good. That works. That works for me. It works with my parenting style and the kind of person that I am. Things are frustrating, but all these frustrating things in the moment are things you're going to look back at and laugh about and miss and tell stories of. So try to remember that in the moment. Try to remember to laugh in the moment because if you do, it's not easy, but if you do, if you can just stop in the chaos, the beautiful chaos and laugh about what's going on and just laugh at the fact that you have one child ripping all the pans out of the cabinet, another child who's who's on top of the table trying to swing from the light in the ceiling or whatever else it might be. You got to be able to stop and just laugh and go, you know what? There's going to come a time we're going to look back and go, remember when, and then laugh about it. You know, we're going to go, I don't necessarily miss the kid hanging from the ceiling and uh, I don't, I don't miss the, the heart attacks of, oh my gosh, they're going to fall and crack their head open. But we're going to look back at this and laugh and smile and go, man, what good times they were. Let's finish with your favorite thing about being a father. <laughs> uh, favorite thing about being a dad. Good Lord. Uh, so many things. You know what? My favorite thing is reading with my kids. I love reading with my kids. I love laying in bed with them and reading with them. I love sitting on the couch and reading with them. That's my favorite thing to do with them. 
and it breaks my heart when they don't want to be read to sometimes. And it's just like, I just want to read to you. Can you just sit still and read? But I love reading, man. I love I love when they actually get into the story and ask questions and and, and lean into you and lay on you. And they, they next day they want to pick up and they remember what happened in the previous day or whatever. So whether whether it's picture books, chapter books, real books, Harry Potter, or you Chronicles of Narnia, or or you know, Goodnight Bear, you know, Goodnight Moon, whatever they're reading. I love reading to them, man. That's that's my favorite thing to do. That and just getting outside and running around and getting in the dirt and getting dirty. I mean, I'm, I'm an outdoors kind of guy. I love to be rough with the kids. I'm a rough houser. I got three boys, so I can only imagine what's in store for me down the road when they get a little bit bigger and older. And I got three boys trying to take me out. It's going to be something else. Well, Matt, you've given up some of your precious time once all the kids are in bed. So I really appreciate <laughs> it. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, brother. That's been the Daddy Juggle Podcast. Keep an eye out for the next episode shortly. I've been your host, Erdem Kosh. Thanks for listening.